Proverbs chapter 31 says in uh, verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. I was thinking about this last week. And if you watch Refining Moments, I do a devotional on Tuesdays. I was thinking about that and reading through Proverbs 31. And wow, that woman worked. She was educated. She had people who worked for her. She made her own clothes. She sold stuff. She, you talking about, you know, a feminist. You don't have to have a feminist movement. She, she was a movement. She was a woman who, who did everything and had kids. And please the Lord. And it says she didn't say bad words. She didn't say negative things. She was kind. She didn't gossip. Read through that. I'm not going to take time to read it all, but what an amazing woman, a virtuous wife. And the one who actually said this was a, the mom of a king. She said, that's a virtuous woman. She said, don't mess with the ones who aren't, the ones that will destroy you, but this godly woman. And how many of us who love the Lord, we aspire to be that. And honestly, years ago, I was single for quite a long time in ministry, and I used to think I wouldn't get married. I didn't need a man. Didn't need a man, didn't need to be married. And I looked at Proverbs 31, honestly, I said, that's just too hard, honestly. As a single woman, I said, that's just too much work. Moms, just you can't just go home and relax and kick off your shoes. If you have older kids, then maybe. But your brain, your mind, right, you're always thinking about the kids. There's always something that they need. And, uh, you know, I just thought, no, that's just too much work. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have, get married and have kids and you have to worry about being the, the wife and the, and the mother and all of that. And lo and behold, I was 35, 36 when I met uh, Pastor Raphael. And uh, I, I used to say, if I get married, I know I'm going to have to have kids. Because he would say, you know, I'm going to get married and, and I want four kids when we were dating. I said, um, so I'm too old for that. I said, you know, look for a younger woman if you want four kids. I said, maybe two, maybe two. That was me, just two. And I don't even know if I could handle any at my age, you know, having kids, just a little, you know, I don't know. So we, we did have two, of course, you know, our two beautiful twins. But I used to joke when I was in my early 20s and my friends and I laughed about married. I'm not going to get married. I don't need to get married. Well, you know, maybe uh, if, I, if I get married, I have kids at my age. I'll, I'll probably just have twins. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have twins. I used to joke about it all the time. I want twins. I'm going to have twins. And um, I didn't realize. Do you have twins? If you have them, they're hard work. I mean, kids are hard work anyway. But the people who say, well, my kids are like, what do they call them when they're close in age? They call them because they're like 11 months apart or 10 months. And they say, oh, well, they're, tw what do they call them? They call them twins, but there's, a I forgot that word anyway. But, you know, they'll look at you and say, oh, well, they're almost like twins. I'm like, sorry, but no. Not when they're babies. You got two babies crying, two babies up at night, and, and there's two of you. You know, if you're married, some single, single moms out there taking care of, you know, two crying babies at a time getting up. You don't sleep. You don't rest. And, talk, and if you're nursing, oh, my goodness, it's not easy at all. But anyway, I would say if I get married, I'm going to have kids, and, and I'll have two, and then I'll have twins, and I'll be done. Great. And then uh, I got married, 
and, and I had twins. And it was shocking. I'm going to share more about that later. But um, I didn't really have a desire uh, necessarily to be the mom for a long time, to, to be the wife and to get married. And I would say, if I get married, this and that, you know. And um, I knew, though, when I got pregnant, we went to India. We'd been married a year. And we were here for a year, itinerating as missionaries. I'd already been one, went a missionary, and then we went back to the field. And it was our plan. You know, we'll go back, and then we'll start trying to have children. And I thought at my age, oh, I won't do it. You know, it'll probably take a while and whatever. So we got back to the field in um, November. We were still staying with friends. Uh, and then we stayed with them for a few weeks. We moved into our, our place we finally found. And, and long story short, I, I got sick and I thought, well, I can't take an antibiotic because maybe I, maybe I am, you know, pregnant. This was the plan, so maybe it happened. And so I didn't want to take antibiotic or anything just in case. So I checked. Long story short, I was pregnant. And um, this was, just, <laughs> was just, just as we planned, you know, and as God planned, he just put that in our heart, you know, because we wanted to have children. If we were going to have kids, we were going to have them on the field. And so uh, I went to the doctor. We went to have the first checkup, and, you know, Raphael's in front of me, and I'm not looking at the the thing and then the doctor's there and you know doing the sonogram that's what it's called sorry and so she's doing it and all of a sudden she gets this look in her face like and I'm looking at her like you better say something to me what is wrong with my baby you know and um Raphael's like looking like what's going on and he's and I'm scared. I'm like, I'm not even that pregnant. You can't see much. What is it? And then she says, well, I think I, think I see two heartbeats. Two hearts. And I was like, whoop. And I just started laughing because I remembered what I had said to the Lord, you know. And um, I knew I was terrified. I was terrified of having kids. I was terrified of being pregnant. I was afraid, you know, at my age, I'd have a miscarriage. I, would, I wouldn't be able to do it. And what's going to happen? And um, I knew, though, that if I was going to be a mom, if I was even going to carry children, if I was going to be a praying mom, that I was going to be a person of prayer, that I was going to give my children to the Lord, you know, even in the womb, even when they were growing inside me, I was going to be praying over and singing over uh, my baby or babies. I didn't know it was babies for, you know, several weeks. But that's what I began to do. I began to read the Bible over them. I began to sing over them. And I did that because I had examples of godly women. I had examples of people in my life who prayed and moms who prayed through. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I'll share part of my journey in prayer and being a praying mom. But this is for everybody, just to have a better prayer life, to be a praying person, to be a prayer warrior. I believe the Lord is calling us more to prayer. When I was, uh, like I said, um, when I was pregnant, I, I remember this one Sunday, it was just, I was more than three months because we had already announced it, I think. And then I was at home one Sunday, and I was by myself. Raphael was on a, at a conference somewhere in India. I was alone, and I got up one Sunday morning, and I had real heavy bleeding. And I thought the worst. I thought, this is it. I'm too old. And, 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 and you know, I have several friends who had miscarriages. So I thought, this is it. You know, Lord, don't, don't do this. Don't take my baby. You know, and, and, and I don't remember if we knew there was two at the time. I think so, probably. But whatever the case, I was terrified. And the Lord just said to me, pray. Go and pray. Before I called my friend, because the next thing I did was call my friend to come over. And she came over and sat with me for a while. Um, but I just went and I, I grabbed the Bible. I turned on worship and I began to pray. I began to pray and receive the peace of the Lord. 
And I called the doctor uh, eventually, and she said, don't worry, you come in tomorrow, we'll check. That doesn't mean everything is lost. And of course, I have two beautiful daughters who will be 10 in July. But I learned, being carrying children and being pregnant, I learned at the very beginning to pray over my children, to pray the word and pray over them. So that is important. And this morning, I want to talk to you about four praying moms in the Bible. There's a lot of great women in the Bible. We, we often overlook them. We may not hear them as much, but there's a lot of wonderful women in the Bible and women who knew how to pray or at least talk to God. They might not have called it prayer, but they talked to God. Some of them like angels. Some of them like God right there. So I want to point out four of them today. Moms in the Bible, two from the Old Testament, two from the New Testament, who I find very inspiring, their relationship with God, their connection, their, their communication with the Lord. Uh, the first one is Sarah. I like to call Sarah the uncertain mom, right? She was uncertain. The Lord had told her, had told Abraham, you will be the father of many nations. And here they are. How old were they? 90 years old. She was 90 years old and hadn't had kids. Where's God's promise? How many have been waiting for a promise? Remember, they were 90. Okay, 90. They, the Lord had promised. And here she is, 90 years old, and, and the Lord declares, you're going to have a baby. You're going you're gonna to have a baby. And what did she do? The woman of God, Sarah, she did what? She laughed. <laughs> That's so funny, God. You got jokes. This is great. You promised a long time ago. I'm here. I'm 90 years old. I'm old. He's old. What? And you know the story. If you don't know the story, you're going to have to dive in and kind of read into it because I'm not going to go into every part of every story. But she laughed. God rebuked her. What you mean? You, you laughed. Why'd you laugh? Why, Abraham, your wife, she laughed. No, 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 no. Wasn't laughing at all. But she laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out. I'm 48 with almost 10-year-olds. I'm worn out. She was 90. She was 90. So here it is. How am I gonna how am I gonna have this pleasure, God? <laughs> pleasure. Pleasure, God. Sometimes we pray, but we are uncertain of God's timing, God's answer. Sometimes we pray and we hear God speak, but but maybe it tarries a little long what we're waiting for, praying for, or what he's promised, and we are uncertain. We become uncertain in our faith and our walk with God. We're uncertain about his ways and his will. Will he do what he promised? Will he come through this time? Will he take care of my child? Does he really love my child more than I do? Does he really know best in my life, in this situation, in my job? Sometimes we're uncertain. Like Sarah, and even Sarah, they could just talk to God right there, you know. Had the promise and everything, but she was uncertain now. 90 years old, God, hey, you know, that time kind of passed, right? I know a mom in India, and um, this group, so I traveled around India. This was before I was married, and, and I would disciple young people and children and train churches to do children's ministry. And there was a young man, the parents there, Christian parents, a lot of Christian parents are like this. We love our kids. We pray for our kids. We pray, God, let them serve you. Let them love you. Let them be good uh, Christian people and, and have good morals and good ethics, right? And then we pray, God, let them have a good education. Prosper them, God, in their ways and, and just bless them. And um, sometimes we don't pray God's will, though. 
Sometimes, like this Indian mama and daddy, they were like, you know, they want their boys to be doing good. And when I got to the church, people were like, oh, we need somebody to help lead our young people because there's one who's leading them. And this was the guy. He's, he's leading them, and he's doing really great. And, and there's about 20 or 30 young people who would just get together and worship God and praying and seeking God. And when I came, they said, sister, would you just help us do something for God? So what I did was train and disciple them to do outreach. And they got on fire, filled with the spirit. They were already speaking in tongues and praying together on their own. And this guy, he was 17, about to graduate from high school. He was the leader. And they were coming together just to pray. And I just helped lead them into taking the gospel. And they got excited. And the parents were like, oh, good. Now they're, you know, they're serving the Lord. Somebody's leading them. And great. This is what we're praying for, right? But then the boy says, well, you know, sister, I want to go away to Bible college. I want to be a pastor. I want to serve God and like you do. And I just want to give myself to God. But my parents, mom, oh, no, no, no. See, this is okay. This is, we want you to love the Lord. We want you to serve God. But no, because you need to go get a good education. You're not going to make money as a pastor. Okay, some pastors in our country, they make lots of money, right? In India, most of the pastors are poor. They don't make money. There's no money in that. The people are poor people. So they're like, you're just going to be poor, and you're going to just live in this little shack or whatever. And, and no, you're going to go get an education. You're going to become a nurse. That's what they wanted him to become. Well, okay. So I talked to him and counseled with him. Pastor spoke to the parents. They're like, nope. We don't, we don't agree with that. So they sent him away to school. Guess what happened? A few months later, he failed out. Couldn't do it. Came home ashamed. What do I do now? I failed. This is what my parents wanted for me. And I said, well, I'm not your parent. I can't speak out of, you know, but you love the Lord. God has a call on your life. It doesn't do any good as parents or people, dads, moms, whoever, to, to control our kids and say, wait a minute, God, this is not exactly what I wanted. This isn't actually when I want it, how I want it. He came back disappointed, discouraged. And had to take care of his family. Had to get a job or something because they didn't want him to con to continue on just serving the Lord. What a disappointment. But I got good testimonies for you too. Sarah was uncertain about having a child at that age. But when she talked to God, when she really let God say, you know what, I promise this is my will, Sarah's uncertain laughter turned into joyful laughter when she spoke to the Lord. She heard God speak and she trusted his will and his way. We can't just pray for what we want and close our ears to what God wants to speak, maybe in a different way. We must be certain in our prayers that he knows best. Sometimes we'll pray, the answer will tarry, he will wait. Sometimes we'll pray and it'll be a different response. But God will speak. God will speak if we're ready to listen. Instead of saying, nope, I don't accept it. And just walk away. God will speak. Sometimes we have to wait to hear him speak when we're praying and uncertainty comes. God knows what's best for us. Have you ever been uncertain about what God is doing? Maybe not with your kids, but maybe in your job. Maybe in your home in another way. Your neighbor that maybe you're supposed to speak to them and you're uncertain about that neighbor because they're so lost. Maybe I can't really talk to them. Maybe uncertain about a job that you really didn't want that you weren't praying for, but God says, wait a minute, this is the job that I have for you. Maybe you've been uncertain about some things. Like I said, I was uncertain about having twins. I'd said it. I'd said it. I can't really say that I prayed about it. I did pray. I kind of like, I want one and done because I don't want to go through pregnancy twice. 
That was really just selfish of me. And, and I'm glad that it happened the way it did. <laughs> now that they're almost 10 and I don't have to stay up all night. You know, they're finally sleeping. They started sleeping through the night like a year ago, really. <laughs> yes, I'm serious. They would get up, you know, a couple times a week. Anyway, I was uncertain. Well, the timing was off. I thought, God, twins now? Do you know how old I am? Do you know where I live? I live in India, 30% mortality rate. And sure enough, our leaders said, go home. Go back to the U.S. and have your babies. Don't stay here. And I was a little uncertain. But God said, stay. This is your mission field. You can trust me with this. Because it was his will. It was his timing. It was his blessing. So our uncertainty can turn into joy when we trust the Lord and we say, God, have your way. Have your way. This is your timing. And God did bless Sarah and Abraham. He completed his promise because it's all about him. Second mom that I, I find very admirable in the Bible, uh, my favorite one in the Old Testament was Hannah. Do you know the story of Hannah? Hannah wanted a baby. And I've, I've had many friends who couldn't have children. They fought to have children. They were told they wouldn't be able to. And God did a miracle or they adopted. And, and uh, I just love the story of Hannah because there she was. I call Hannah the desperate mom. She was desperate to have a child. She was so desperate that she went into the temple, and there she was praying and blah, 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 blah. I don't know why she wasn't speaking out loud. I mean, I like to pray loud. I mean, I don't know if you've heard me pray, but I like to pray. I just, I just do. I just sometimes quiet. But she was in there praying, and blah, 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 blah. And Samuel comes in. Now, see, not Samuel. I'm sorry. Eli came in. Samuel was the son she prayed for. Eli came in, and he thought she was crazy. And he's looking, what is she doing? She... You know, and I don't get it. Honestly, it's Eli. He's in the temple. Don't people pray in the temple? I, when I think of it, I think here he is saying she's drunk. Shouldn't he know? He's the priest. Shouldn't he know she must be talking to God? Hello. I, I'm, I'm just a little uncertain about that. I'm just, you know, to tell you the truth, I look and think Eli should have had a little more discernment. But there she is praying to God. And as she kept praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. She was praying in her heart and her lips were moving. My mom used to pray like that. We'd be in the car and my mom prayed all the time. And she'd be, I said, Mom, what are you doing? I'm praying, I'm talking to the Lord. She'd be sitting at home on the computer because she had to play games. What are you doing? Talking to the Lord. Okay, all right, it's good. All right, she did that all the time. She'd, I'm like, just say it out loud. He's right there. You look crazier with him. Anyway, whatever. My mom did that. So that was my example of a, of a woman who prayed. She didn't care what it looked like. Sometimes you're going to look like a fool when you're praying. But it's okay because God knows and God is listening. God knows and he's listening. You got to be willing to just put it out there and say it doesn't matter. And that's how Hannah was. She was so desperate. She didn't care who was there, what she looked like. She wanted that child. She was desperate for an answer from God. And God gave it to her. Eli said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? That's exactly what he said. How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. She said, I'm not drunk. I'm just pleading with the Lord. And she went away, and God granted her request. God gave her that child. Her child was a result of her prayer that she got desperate, and she wouldn't give up. Sometimes we all come to a point of absolute desperation in our prayers. We come to the point where we have to decide, am I going to give up? Maybe people around us say, you're crazy. Just stop. Just stop doing that. God's not answering. God's not hearing. We pray and we pray, but for some reason, even though we want to give up, we feel like it, we keep praying. We can't give up. We can't give up on our child. We can't give up on that job. We can't give up on a miracle because we're desperate. And that's how we have to be. We take the desperation to God. Keep praying.
praying for what you are looking for. Hannah's desperation turned into expectation and elation when God answered. Now, my mom, I have a brother. He's, he's a year older than me. And um, he fell away from the Lord when my dad left. I, came, I went to Jesus. I ran to Jesus. My, my uh, brother became rebellious. He became bitter. He became angry. And he's gone off and on in his life uh, with coming to God and then, you know, leaving God. And he has his own idea about God. And he was Mormon for a while. He's believed in different things. But my mom would always pray for my brother. Pray, pray, pray. A praying mom, desperate to see his salvation. And I remember he wouldn't even be there, and she's praying for him. And, you know, we were teenagers, or he was a young adult. He had gone on a trip up to Canada uh, with his friends and later reported to her. You know, she had a burden and just kept praying and praying for him. And later reported that a Coke, can, a Coke machine had fallen on him, that he had you know, tried to get something out, and it took his money, and he was, he was my, my uh, brother is uh, almost seven foot tall. He's a big kid, uh, adult now, but anyway. He was pulling on the Coke machine, and it fell on top of him, and they said it was a miracle. He didn't get hurt or worse, because those things are pretty heavy, and my mom said, well, when, when did that happen? And uh, she's always praying for him, but at that specific moment that it happened, she said she had an extra burden, like felt praying for him. She was desperate, you know, and crying out for him, and the Lord protected him. So I learned through my mom about praying and not giving up on your children. That, and there's been many times when my brother has needed those prayers, and God has come through. And I know that the Lord, the Lord is with him now. He knows the Lord. He's come to him, and, and sometimes he falls away, or uh, he's got some other issues. But Mom was a praying mom, and he is in her hands. Have you ever been desperate for a miracle? Have you ever been desperate and praying and crying out for something and saying, God, I don't know, I, I think I might just leave that prayer behind. I think there's no hope. There's a family in India when I was out at church ministering, and in India, people take children, just kidnap them, and, and they're almost like animals. Just, just They worship animals, actually. Um, but they just grab kids. If you don't watch your children, people would just grab them and take them and sell them into slavery. Like we have human trafficking now. It's here in the U.S., but it's really bad uh, in India. And we, I was at a church uh, one Sunday, and a couple that didn't even attend the church comes in crying and saying, someone took our, our child. He was about two, three years old. We don't know where he is. He was, he was playing in the street, and he's disappeared, and we don't know where he is. Please pray for us. Can you give us some money for like 50 rupees? It's like a dollar, two dollars. We can get somebody to go. I mean, why would you even charge somebody? But we can get somebody with his megaphone and speakers to go down through the through the uh, village and call out for my son and ask if anybody sees him. So they came and they asked, you know, can you please give us money? And the pastor said, sure. And I was standing there and he said, let's pray. Because sister, he told me in English, she couldn't understand. Sister, the chances of them finding this little boy are so slim. He's been gone for a while now. And usually what they do is they just grab him and they take him to, to another side of the country and they do human trafficking with them. And so we prayed for that little boy gave him the money, and they went out. And as soon as the man got his megaphone and started going through, a lady comes out and says, here's the child. Here's the child. And she'd found him, I think it was the day before, and didn't even look. I mean, there's no way. It's crazy, right? No way of looking. No way. You know, I'm just going to take him. And she said, oh, I found him, and I was just going to take him with me. Tomorrow I was leaving to go to the other side of the country. I'm just going to take a child. Interesting in India. 
But the miracle, and the great thing is she was desperate. She didn't go to church. She was a Hindu. But she knew, she knew where to go to get help and to get prayer. And God recovered that child to his family. And their desperation turned into elation. Your desperation will turn into expectation and elation if you never give up praying. There's another boy in India who lived at a children's home where uh, their villages are very, very poor there. And they don't go to school. So the parents would send their children to a home, they call it a hostel, to live in where they're also going to go to school. So this little boy, he was at the, he was about nine at the time. He was at the home. His mom was in the village, very poor. Um, So he was at the home. And he didn't know where his dad was. Dad had left several years before. And he didn't know. And every single time we prayed, and I led prayer every day at the home, he prayed for his dad. Pray for my dad to come back. Pray for my dad to come back. Years had passed. They had no clue where he was. He had left, abandoned his family. And we prayed and prayed. And I thought, God, I don't know if this dad's ever going to come back. Several other children in the same circumstance. But he kept praying. And one day he came and he reported to me, my, my dad has come home. My dad has come home out of nowhere. He, he, he's home. He's with our family. I was like, What? I mean, I'd been praying, but there I was, like, wow. You know, it happened. God heard his prayer and brought his daddy home to the family, restored that family. So God will turn our desperation into elation if we never give up praying. And I thank God that he did that for that little boy. So there's Sarah, the uncertain. There's Hannah, the desperate. Then there's Mary. We all know Mary. I call Mary the reluctant mother. She was a teenager, Have you seen movies depicting Mary? Some of them, I don't know. You know, they depict her really upset and disappointed. Um, I know she had more of a love and a reverence for God, you know, back in that day. She was growing up in in her home knowing God. But the angel comes to her and tells her, you're going to have a child. So what does Mary say? In Luke 134, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? So how can I... How can I have a child? And I can only imagine the doubts and the fears that she faced, even though she was talking to an angel. <laughs> but as she sought the Lord, she said, let it be according to your will, O Lord. But she was, there was reluctance there. There was a fear there. And, you know, there's a lot of moms who are reluctant. I was a little reluctant. I was a little scared about having one child. Now, too, I was, I was a little reluctant. But sometimes, you know, it's the single mom who's working, who, you know, reluctant to have a child. It's just not time. Sometimes it's the working mom who is married, but just not time. I'm not ready for this. Sometimes it's not just the single mom or the teenager, but sometimes it's a woman who was violated against her will, who's reluctant to have a child. And I say this because I have a friend who was the product of rape. Her mom was a teenager. She was raped horribly. But her mom said, this is not my child's fault. God has given me this child. Wow. Wow. God has given me this child. Now, if you see that every life is from God, conceived because of God, because the way he created us, yes, every child is from God. And she had my beautiful friend, Deity, And what a testimony. And Didi loved the Lord. She, never, she didn't know her father, didn't have a relationship, but she knew her mother loved her. Her mother loved her, never made her feel like, she, she, the only reason she told her was to tell her, you are a gift. God has brought you. And what a testimony. Sometimes we're reluctant, 
but God has created our children. Sometimes we're reluctant when we see our children failing or going the wrong way. God, I raised them right. I taught them. Why is this happening? Why are they making wrong choices? We're a little reluctant to believe and to see God's hand on our lives. But your reluctance can turn into eager anticipation as Mary's did. Her reluctance turned into eager anticipation as she prayed and praised the Lord. She said, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your will and your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Psalm 139 says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Every child has a purpose and every child is a miracle. When we see our child, children go through the storm or we see neighbor children, because maybe we don't have our own children or we're, we're principals out of school or teachers and we experience children who are not behaving well and parents aren't raising them well. We look at them. We can look and say, you know what? That child has a purpose. God has created them and we can speak life into them. You can be a mom not only to your biological children or adoptive children. You can speak life into kids who don't have a mom because their mom is on drugs, because their mom gave them up, because of whatever reason mom is not able to raise them correctly or she doesn't know how to raise them because she's reluctant to discipline her children, reluctant to lead their children in the way of the Lord. I know that the story of my husband, he shared it a few times. But his mom was told to abort him, to get, to get rid of him, because he's going to have disabilities. There's no use in having him. But you see, my husband now is a gift of the Lord, and he's a minister, and he had a purpose for his life. My own mother didn't want me. Uh, she had had my brother, and they out of uh, wedlock, she got pregnant, and then they got married. And I came along like 13 months later, um, and she wasn't ready. She said, you know, we don't have money, and my my. Dad was upset and didn't want her to have another child. He didn't want to take care of the one they had, and he wasn't there for her all the time, and their marriage was very tumultuous, uh, especially at that time. And she would beat her stomach. She would beat her stomach hoping that she would lose me. And the Lord said, stop. The Lord clearly spoke to her and said, don't do that. That child has a purpose. That, you know, Just stop doing that. And she told me that years later, but just again as a testimony. I didn't feel bad about it. I was like, well, God... God has a purpose for our children. He had a purpose for my husband. There's a story of um, Tim Tebow, uh, you know, the football player, and how his mom was told in the Philippines to abort him because of issues that could be there. And she still had him. And now he is, you know, he's played football. His testimony has been known throughout the world. And in the Philippines, he actually built a hospital to help children who have special needs and disabilities. And God has used him in such a miraculous way. Have you ever been reluctant to accept something in your life, whether it be a child, something, a job, a friend, a coworker, something that comes along and you're reluctant to accept it, something maybe you, you know the Lord allowed, maybe you know is the Lord's will, but you kind of doubt it and you're reluctant about it? I was reluctant many times in my life. I was reluctant to have children, well, reluctant to get married. I was reluctant to be a missionary, reluctant to do children's ministry. This is like the story of my life. Everything the Lord has called me to do, I was reluctant and hesitant about it. I don't want to minister to kids. Kids are wild and crazy and don't listen. But now I enjoy children because God has called me to it. He's given me a gift to minister to kids and a passion for them. 
I was a missionary for 19 years, and I loved it, traveled the world, and it was awesome. I saw God do mighty miracles. We came back from India in 2014, and I was reluctant to come back. But we came back. God called us to minister here. And we were in Rhode Island, and um, they hired me as part-time as a first impressions person, which was a hospitality person and a greeter and working with the greeting team and the cleaning team and the ushers and working with adults. And I thought, I am reluctant to do this. I can't really work with adults. And how am I going to, you know, lead this team and do this? This is so new to me. And I was very reluctant to do that kind of ministry. But, you know, the time that we were there, God really blessed. And he helped me to step out of my shell, my comfort zone, and see him use me in a different way. And I built great relationships with those people. Because I wasn't, I was reluctant, but my reluctance turned into eager anticipation. Because God spoke and said, this is what I want you to do. So your reluctance will turn into eager anticipation for how God is going to use a difficult situation, something challenging for you to bring himself glory and make yourself stronger when you pray. See, every situation, do you see every situation we're in life? We bring it to the Lord in prayer. We talk to God about it. And God will speak to us and assure us of his will and his purpose through prayer. Through speaking to him, bringing it to him, not just saying, I don't want to do this, but bringing it to him in prayer. Now, the final one I want to look at is the Canaanite woman, the fighting mom, I call her. She didn't even have a name. Do you remember her? The one who went to Jesus and Matthew, we'll look at it real quick. She went to Jesus and Matthew, let me find it, in Matthew, and she says, have mercy on me, O son of David. I have a daughter who's severely demon-possessed, and she'd been following Jesus, and he didn't pay attention to her, and he'd, you know, she'd been talking to him, and the disciples were like, Jesus, just send her away. And, and Jesus finally looks and answered, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And she wasn't sheep of Israel. She was a Canaanite. They didn't get along with the Canaanites. The Canaanites were mean to the Jews. And he didn't want to, you know, Jesus said, I was sent to the lost sheep. And it seemed like he didn't want to help her. But she said, Lord, please help me. And he said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. Did he call her a dog? I don't think so. Jesus had a purpose for this. And she said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yet even little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said, woman, you raise your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. So I believe that Jesus showed her as an example that he didn't come just for the Jews. And he wanted her to keep pressing through so that he could see her faith and say, anybody who has faith and comes to me and calls on me, I'm not going to reject. This woman was a fighter. She fought because she fought for her daughter. You know the term fight or flight? When you're a mama, there's no flight. When you're a mama, it's mama bear. It's mama's ready to fight. I'm going to put on the boxing things. But the greatest thing that a woman of God can do or any woman is fight in prayer. Bring it to the Lord in prayer and don't stop praying. Don't stop fighting for your child. Don't give up on discipline because your child is a rebel. Don't give up on praying for the prodigal. Don't give up on raising godly kids in a godless society. Fight in prayer for that thing that your child needs that you know is a good thing from God. Have you ever had to fight in prayer for something in spite of how impossible it looked and, or what everyone else said, like this woman who was pressing through? And she didn't care what anybody else said. She fought her way to Jesus to say, Jesus, help me. I know I'm not a Jew. I'm not one of your people, but help me. And Jesus did. He looked at her. There's a woman who was in El Salvador, 
and uh, she had an alcoholic son she'd been praying for, and he was, he was, um, he just wouldn't drink, he wouldn't accept God, and he just kept drinking, and one day he died. He, she was, he was in the house really sick, and she called the pastor and said, come pray for my son, he's dying. He's sitting on his deathbed, and he still is being rebellious. He's still not accepting the Lord, and she prayed and prayed for him, and the pastor got there late, and he'd already died, or he wasn't there yet, and he'd already died, and she was praying for him. Do you know that the Lord heard that mama's prayer? The mercy and the prayers of that mom, for that, he, the Lord showed her mercy, showed him mercy and brought him back to a life. And he accepted Christ as Savior, and revival began in that community. We can't give up fighting. Praying moms, fight in prayer, knowing that victory is the only option. Your fight can turn into your greatest peace, and your battle can become victory when you pray. Ephesians 6.18 says, and pray in the spirit with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, some of you might say, you know what? That sounds good. Prayer is good. And, you know, I pray, though, but I haven't seen anything happen. We pray, and it seems to get worse. Our society is getting worse. The community is getting worse. My child's getting worse. This situation is not turning around yet, yet. We might feel pretty uncertain about the days we're living in. We can really get desperate for change, yet we might feel reluctant to keep believing that God does have a plan when it appears that things continue to get worse. The fight can be exhausting. So what do we do? Do we keep on asking in faith? James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. How do you know your prayers are effective, though? You might ask yourself that question. And that would be a whole other message I don't have time to go through all of it, but there's a list. Here's a few ways that the Lord really, a few years ago, revolutionized my own prayer life. And that's why I'm so passionate about prayer. Uh, there's a few things that we can do to know that we're being effective. And there's the scripture verses. Pray in the name of Jesus. And you can write these verses down, take a picture of it with your phone, zoom it in. Pray in the name of Jesus. There's many people who pray all over the world when there's tragedies and things that happen in the world. We're praying, but, oh, nothing's happened. They're not praying in the name of Jesus. They don't know Jesus. They're not praying to the one who really has the answers. You have to pray in the name of Jesus. Buddha, Muhammad, all these other, no, that's not the way. The way is Jesus. If the way was any other way, India would be so blessed because they are spiritual people. They have thousands of gods that they worship. They'll worship, they'll put your picture on the wall if you give them lots of money and they think you've got power and you might be a god. But they're not praying to the God in the name of Jesus. So the prayers are going to fail. Number one is pray in the name of Jesus. Number two, pray with others. Two or more are gathered. You can pray. I have blessed times by myself with Jesus. I do. But there are some things I know I need to pray with you. I need to be with you in prayer. I need to have a prayer partner. So pray with others. And you can write the scripture verse down. The other thing is fast. The Bible says this kind. There's some things that can only be broken by prayer and fasting. If you're desperate, you're going to fast. You're going to pray. The next thing is number four, pray the word. Use the word. Many times I will open up or I'll be in prayer and I'll just open up the Bible and I will pray and declare that word. There is nothing more powerful than the word of God. Living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. If you don't have the words, pray the word. Pray the word of God. Number five, have faith. Have faith in expecting. Don't just come and say, oh, well, I hope. The kids will do that sometimes. Lord, I hope that this, but I said, no, you're not hoping nothing. 
You are praying and declaring the word of God. My child is going to be healed. You know, when I started doing that over my kids, they had been sick with all kinds of stuff the first year we were in Texas. Second year, I said, no, 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 no. I'm not having flu A, B, C, Z. I'm not having that again this year. And the Lord said, you need to pray with boldness and faith and believe it and just declare the health over your children. A whole school year went by. Everybody was getting sick. Everybody in their class had had the flu. Their teacher had had something bad. And she was out. My daughters never got sick. I didn't get sick. Because I said every time we declare health, I declare health, I declare healing, I thank you for it. And I pray it daily over my daughters. The next thing, number six, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. I said this last night at our prayer time. God loves you so much. He is so serious about you being able to communicate and talk to him that he has said, if you can't pray in your own language, that's all right. You know how to words, that's good. Pray in the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. If you don't have a prayer language, ask for it. Because I pray lots of times in the spirit. You don't have the words, he does, he knows. God loves you so much, he says, here you go. Pray. You don't have the words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray through you. It's not you, it's him praying through you. The next one, pray with praise. Don't doubt. Don't come humdrum. Praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Praise him like it's already done. Like it's already done. Praise God. Number eight, pray without ceasing. Be like the persistent widow. You're going to go to God and go to God and go to God and, and pray about it without ceasing. Finally, this is finally wrapping it up. My husband's out there waiting already. The most important benefit of prayer is not what God does for you. Did you know that? But it's what God does in you. What he does inside of you. What happens when you are praying. There's so many prayers I can take to God, and I'll ask God for this and that, and it's so important to me. But all of a sudden, when I'm in his presence, I'll forget about it. You know what? Did he respond? I don't even know. And somehow he does. But what happens when I'm praying and I'm in his presence is he comes into me. He comes into my heart. He fills my heart. And then I'm able to say, it is well with my soul. I have the ability to say I'm at peace because I know God's taking care of it. I've laid it there on the altar. I've laid it in his hands and he's got it. And he filled me with so much joy in his presence saying, his favor is on you. I am for you, not against you. Surely the Lord will bless the righteous and surround them with favor as with a shield. That's what the word of God says. When you're praying, you're seeking him. You are the righteous. You are the one, and he is going to bless you. He's going to bless your socks off when you keep praying. My notes got all kefuddled here. I had one more thing I was going to share. Oh, here we go. This is something that the other day as I was praying, I was actually in school. My kids were at specials, Miss Cynthia. I wasn't working on that well. They were, they were at specials, and I was praying in the room and worshiping, and I, I wrote this down. I actually posted it on Facebook. I used to think I had to pray for the work. You know, bless my work, God. Bless what I'm doing. Now I know that prayer is the work. I used to treat prayer like the seasoning. You know, here's my great yummy meal. Let me put some prayer on it. Let me pray prayer on this thing so it'll be blessed. Now I know that prayer is the meal. I used to make prayer the inauguration or the culmination. You know, let's pray before, let's pray after. Now I know that prayer is the main event. I used to pray just for my needs. Now I know I just need to pray. I just need to pray. So let's do that now. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, for prayer. I thank you that we already entered in in our worship time to your presence, that you have already spoken. You've already blessed, Lord. I pray, God, that 
you would give favor over our mothers. We thank you for that song and that word and what you've already ministered to us, your favor, Lord. I ask you, God, to increase my faith. Help me to pray more, to seek you more, Lord. Just pray that in your own heart. Ask the Lord, God, I want to see miracles. I want to see you do miracles. I want to see you do great and awesome things, Lord. So I ask you to help me to keep on praying. Keep on praying. To keep on praying for whatever it is, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, let my reluctance turn in to anticipation, expectance. Let my desperation turn into elation. God, help me. Help me, Lord, to be eager about the things that you're going to do. Help me, God, to keep on praying, keep on seeking. Teach me to pray more effectively. Fill me, Holy Spirit, so that I can pray beyond my words and pray your will, O oh God. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your favor that is upon us, Lord, that you will do mighty miracles in us and through us, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just think about that thing that you're praying for, that need that you might have. Or maybe it's something else. God wants to lead you in prayer for something else. And you've been hesitant to pray about it because maybe you doubt it or it was a person and you think that person won't change. And God's saying, pray, pray, seek me. The decision you have to make, pray. God, I don't want to do it, but the Lord keeps pressing. Pray and see what the Lord will confirm in your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. through prayer. I know some of you probably need to go, but if you need any kind of prayer after we dismiss, please come forward and let us pray for you. Hallelujah. And we're going to pray for you and with you. Leave us a prayer request. If you have any prayer request, we believe God for miracles. We're a praying church. We're giving church. We're praying church. And we know that God is doing miracles in and through our lives. Again, we want to say Happy Mother's Day to our moms. Please don't forget to pick up your gift. We've got a special book, Come Away With Me, and I think this will help if you say, you know what, I really do want to become stronger in my prayer life with the Lord and listening to Him as well. This book is going to help you through that. And uh, receive your gift and know that we love you and we appreciate you today. And have a blessed day. Lord, thank you for being with us. Let everyone go with your blessing and your peace and your favor this week. Bless all of our moms with a very special day today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Raphael. Thank you for listening to this message. Abiding Hope Worship Center is a hope-filled church, and together we can become a hope-filled people. God bless you.